So I had the opportunity to talk to Nathan Crawford, 22-year-old professional motocross athlete. It was a really cool chat and a uh, little bit of a throwback for me because I've known Nato since he was 10, year, tw- 10 to 12 years old. Uh, I actually grew up racing motocross with him and uh, used to travel with him. I know his dad really well. They used to build my supercross tracks at my house or my mum's place. Um, it was really cool to chat and throw down and, and, you know, hear his journey to becoming a professional athlete and the struggles to get there and what you have to do to get to the top. I mean, I personally tried to make it as a professional motocross athlete and I, I didn't have it in me. Uh, and I hundred percent admit that it's a super tough sport to be at the top of that game. And, uh, you know, anyone that makes it as a professional athlete or, you know, even in the business world, it's tough. It's, uh, it's not an easy game and you have so many ups and downs, uh, through the journey. So, which, you know, I have had personally as well. So to get into chat to him and learn a little bit more about uh, his story and how he's grown up and, and to make it to the level he's at today was, was rad. So yeah, check it out. And, uh, thanks for listening to the next episode of the Jason Daniel podcast. And Hey, don't forget to comment, like share it. If you get any value or even to the point of, you know, sharing your feedback so we can improve this and and keep growing the podcast and sharing the community and inspiring people to chase the vibe. Do you know what I was thinking before? Um, I still, I was in the shed the other day and I still got um, your number plate. Remember when you borrowed my bike in 2009 or 10 for the Aussie titles? Oh, Murray Bridge. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. remember. I still, I still got your plate in the shed. Well, my plate, you, you gave it back to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, there's one ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's w- sitting in my shed. Yeah, well, I went to the Aussie titles. I think I was. Yeah, we had to run a number four. I don't know what number I ran, but yeah, we would have put one ninety nines back on there when we gave you the bike back. Yeah, yeah. I still got the side plate. The side plate. I think that it. was the second or third time I rode a two fifty F in my life, and I, I went straight to the Aussie titles. I think it was. I think you'd practiced on my bike a couple of times, and then said, "Can you borrow it?" I think, yeah. I think Mickey was like, "Can we borrow it?" I actually remember the day um, that I first ever rode a 250F and it was your bike. It was at Stanmore. Was it really? Yeah. And I remember the coolest <laughs> thing ever to me when I was a child because I was always riding two strokes and whatever was the sound of a limiter on a four, on a four stroke. Yeah, yeah. So just, I just, just remember rid of those valves. Yeah. Just riding your bike around just at Stanmore, just on the limiter everywhere yeah. <laughs> as a 10 or 12 year old. I don't know how old it was at the time. The mechanics used to love that. Yeah. I had my bike back with uh blown out valves from hitting the limiter yeah that's really it. that's cool i remember how did you go that aussies um everything was going good actually until i did, had a cartwheel lucky i didn't cartwheel your bike i cartwheeled my one in five <laughs> through the whoops and after that i was just done like it was mutter and yeah i was i was too small on those big bikes at the time so i didn't really do too well yeah. but how old were you then <clears throat> i think i would have only been like 13 or 14 or something yeah. it was quite yeah, young i think i was oh, how, yeah how old are you now 22 yeah yeah so i must have been 20 22 shit i think yeah yeah so i was quite young but yeah like i could barely even touch the ground i was using oversized blocks to do starts and yeah, stuff like that i remember so, yeah. that i remember that i think you had to lower it a little bit didn't you like you had um, to run the sag a bit lower on the bike yeah we did heaps of weird weird stuff i had super yeah. low bars on the things so i could yeah you know, stand and be somewhat comfortable yeah your dad was a weapon yeah he still is yeah i know i know I remember uh, traveling to, after my broken wrist, I remember traveling to the Aussie, uh, Queensland titles. I think it was at Roma. And I'd my first race back and I jumped in the van with you guys and I was sleeping in the back of the van. Yeah, And I had some. a shit race. Uh, it was my first race back and Mickey's like, mate, just have a beer and chill out. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like him. Um, 
Yeah, man. There's oh, there's only some key key races I remember. I don't think I remember doing the Roma races. There's not many I remember, but um, yeah, we had some good times in the van for sure. Yeah, it was fun. I remember traveling that van a lot. Yeah, a it's lot. still kicking. Well, you remember? I mean, uh, we haven't really even introduced you, but I mean, we'll get to that. But I remember, uh, was it because I had a super? Well, remember when you started to learn how to ride supercross yeah. when I had my track at home and your dad built all the tracks? Like it's crazy when you think back. Your dad built us my supercross track for us all to ride in my backyard in mum's backyard we had the mm. dam that would water the tracks yeah we had like a I, I remember you're on an 80 and you wouldn't jump that double i think it was never like a 65 70 well that thing double. was massive back then <laughs> i think it was still even <laughs> big for like you guys it. yeah <laughs> it was it was big yeah it was it was big and it was sketchy it was super tight i'm pretty sure actually i think it might have even been your mum used to get up me because i was messing up the grass on the left hand side because i would never jump it yeah probably creating this rut around yeah. the corner yeah that was it yeah were you there the day i broke my wrist yeah i was yeah yeah, I was there. I was on the step on step off, eh? Yeah, it yeah, was. Before you yeah. head down the back. Yeah, that was gnarly. Yeah, yeah, that was the last year I finished up racing, actually, 2010. Mm. I remember that. That was yeah. a good day. Not yeah. day that day. Not but that, yeah. <laughs> it was fun riding with everyone. That day yeah. sucked. The whistle was good. They're always are good. And, and going to the hospital. I don't know what I said to my wife, Ali, but yeah, it would have been pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I mean, <clears throat> anyone that doesn't know, I mean, I'm, we're, you know, we're thrown down with Nato Crawford, uh, who's actually a professional motocross athlete. He rides professionally full-time. I've known him since I think he was 10, um, which is crazy. And to see how far his journey's gone, it's been super dope. So I thought, you know, it'd be great to get him on the show and, and, and just talk about his struggles to becoming a professional athlete, you know, what he's gone through to get there and the training regime. I mean, a lot of people probably don't realize, and, you know, myself growing up racing motocross, and I wanted to make it as a professional, but I didn't have it in me. It's a, definitely a tough sport. I, I think people underestimate how tough motocross is anyone that doesn't i mean i was talking to someone the other day and they were like i think it was one of the uh, courtney in the office and she's like oh what is it really that hard to ride a dirt bike i'm like yeah it's pretty tough it's yeah. it's pretty tough you uh yeah your heart rate's maxing out i mean like what would your heart rate get up to in a race well uh in a race it's a little different um like easy high 190s yeah stuff like that so like it's pretty high um and even in supercross too like we obviously haven't had a race in Supercross yet, but I'd say it'd be getting pretty close to 200 just because Supercross is so intense. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd say you know high 190s to 200 will be it'll be pretty up there. That's uh, yeah, people don't underestimate the training involved. And I mean, tell us a little bit about your journey. I mean, when you started racing, how old were you when you got into it? Like, tell me a bit about your journey in a nutshell <coughs> to where you're at now, to where it all started, bro. I think um, well, it all it all started with obviously my dad. He did a bit of racing just as a, you know, a bit of fun. And then obviously when I came, I guess my mum and dad had me, I, it slowed down a little bit, but he got me a bike. Um, it kickstarted from there. We had heaps of fun. I was always just riding around when he was out kind of practicing and stuff like that. I'd be riding around in the paddock. And then sure enough, we got a few sponsors on board and then went, I think I went to my first race. I was like six or seven and um, loved it. I don't think I did any good. It probably got smoked, but yeah. loved it. And then um dad obviously loved taking me and we we just went on from there and i never really was any that good like i was okay i showed enough promise obviously for my dad to keep wanting to go and yeah, yeah. obviously he was su super that. passionate yeah super passionate about the sport uh, and taking me so um yeah i was never really that good until i turned about 13 it was my first year with yamaha and i just remember pretty much my dad no oh, i didn't get told if the results were you know not up to scratch then you yep. didn't have a ride but i i pretty much i knew that there was definitely a lot of pressure pressure there to perform 
And then it was well, just... Well, you're talking like you signed with like a junior factory Yamaha yeah. team at 13 too. So you're all with like the number one kind of... Yeah, team, know, team in junior, in yeah, juniors. Yeah. So yeah, I remember coming from Suzuki's and I was like a five to eight dude and then i went to yamaha and they were kind of saying like hey if you do really well you get the opportunity because the next year i went into seniors if you do really well you get the opportunity to go into the our under 19s team so i knew the pressure was there and then um yeah it was just weird i just obviously started riding good i'm i grew up a little bit i got a bit taller i got a bit stronger um and then yeah i just started winning races and i remember my first year with yamaha i pretty much i won the 250 title like as the junior title and then yep. got second in the 125s and that was obviously promising enough for them to want me to go again and then um yeah like obviously just from there on that's when i started taking it super serious my training was super serious my diet was really good all that sort of stuff and um yeah i guess do so you really think it all kicked off when you're like 14 is yeah really about said? then i think it was 2012 to 2013 i was like all right well like I had a vision of the next three years of what could happen. I had a goal to work towards and that's yep. when it really started taking taking off. Yeah. Um, and then I went to seniors and uh, obviously a few things happened and I parted ways with Yamaha and I went to Husqvarna on a 252 stroke my first year in seniors and just like did really well. Um, and it just so happened that first year in seniors in under 19s, if you finish inside the top three, you just got to move straight to the 250 class. So I was like, 16 or 17 yeah. and i just moved into the 250f class and it's just like you just get thrown straight in the deep end then yeah. you're on a, and i went to a 250f um and then yeah just pretty much i've just been in in the 250f class ever since i did one year in the 450s and now we're i'm 22 we're in 2019 coming towards the end of 2019 um and i'm with yamaha again and yeah it's it's yeah because you're with good. circo with circo yamaha yeah circo yeah. yamaha now yeah yeah, cool. And I mean, how did you go this year in the Nationals? Like, how was your year this year overall? And um, Yeah, it was, I mean, it was not too bad. It was what I kind of expected. I wanted a little bit better towards the start of the year. Um, I come into the year with a broken leg, a really bad broken leg too. Like, it was a super serious injury and it took a lot to come back from. And um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think anyone really outside of my little circle that knows how bad it was. I've obviously spoke about it a lot on social media and stuff like that, but until... You know, if I showed people the x-rays and exactly how much metal's in my leg right now, then you'd, you wouldn't understand. So, wow. <clears throat> um, yeah, okay. But yeah, it was it was tough. I had three days on the bike before round one, four days on the bike before round one. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. I, I, could, I had two weeks, but I could only ride like certain days. Like I couldn't do two days in a row because my knee would and leg just wouldn't cop it so um, yeah i had to like have a have a day of riding and then rest for two days and let it get better and let it not and were be you sore. trying to do any training leading up to it or you were kind of yeah well i was doing a bit of cycling and all that sort of stuff but obviously it's such low impact and i could cycle like every second day or yeah maybe every you know every day sometimes but i'd get to a point where i'd have to give it a rest and then but as soon as i started riding it was like training stopped all like all my lower body training stopped couldn't couldn't really go and do any cycling because i was already too sore yeah and then um yeah pretty much just it was just an uphill struggle from then on like just like it, it gradually got better but slowly and slowly but on the bike it, it never really got better because as anybody knows who rides a dirt bike your knees and your legs just cop it big time when yeah. you're riding well, it'd be 80 percent lower <clears throat> body mm -hmm. you know not like and and when you you know, if you jam it into a rut or something and you hit your leg on the ground, like it's painful. And yeah. I, I remember for like, 
like even to now like it's it's good now i can i can like let my leg hit the ground and it's fine but um for months like i'm talking eight months or whatever like after my injury i still couldn't like i I had to take my right hand corners a lot slower than my left hand corners because if i let my leg hit the ground i'd be i'd be in strife so yeah wow so i'm like and then how did you finish because you finished fourth in the series finished fourth in the series yeah simply because my last five rounds were good yeah um but yeah like the first the first five rounds and you won a couple of rounds as well yeah won some races that's um, awesome won a one uh, around and yeah like but i was always up there always up there with the boys which is good because like the first first five rounds i was pretty much getting my ass handed to me so <laughs> that was very hard to Give take that motivation to come back to yeah so um it was a struggle but yeah i was just glad uh in the end to be able to win some races and just always be fighting with the boys like it wasn't like it was a fluke for one race or whatever yeah, yeah. i was always up there so that was yeah. that was definitely good and mentally that's tough you know coming back from something like that you know how do you deal with like you know, with injuries, because I know you've had quite a few injuries over the years and knowing you, you know, for so many years racing and, you know, trying to make it to the level you're at now, which is phenomenal. How do you, you know, how do you deal with injuries and the pressure of an injury to come back from that? Like, what's, do you have like a, you know, I mean, you're so driven and motivated, you know, on and off the bike. How do you come back from that? Like, what's your kind of mindset like? Well, for me with this injury, particularly, I was just it was touch and go for a while and i'd always turn up to a race and i remember turning up to the first round and i was just like get through it because i knew i'd only ridden four times or whatever and it rained didn't it yeah it was a full mutter so i was kind of like this could be good this could be bad because i you know obviously i couldn't really hit my leg on the ground or whatever yeah but luckily enough the track was that wet and sticky it was so slow and i could just ginger my way around and like it was still pretty it was pretty tough but yeah yeah i got i got through it and then um but yeah, like every single race, like first round to the second round, my expectations would get a little higher, but only simply because the way I felt during the week on the bike would get a bit better. But then I'd turn up to the race and just like, it's just so much different. Like you're riding with obviously 30 or 40 other people. Yeah. And then, you know, like it was just, it was so tough. But for me, just to try and mentally get myself around it, like it was just, it was just time and never losing sight of the goal and just remembering what I've done in the past to not to try not to let it um, interfere, my injury interfere with what I could get to if I do all the right steps. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just, just trying to make sure pretty much I didn't re-injure my leg, like trying to rush the process, I guess. And yep. um, eventually it's just time and then you get you get a bit more race experience under your belt like after because i had a full year off pretty much 2018 was pretty much a year on the couch for me yeah wow. so um yeah i guess it, it just takes time and, and racing and then like every gate drop it's just a bit more experience and then you get a bit more used to it and you get a bit more comfortable and nothing then, beats race experience yeah or, or that's being it a, or throwing yourself in the yep. mix and being a part of it and training so um yeah and then but yeah the big thing was just time for me because i did obviously did the first five rounds without um re-injuring my leg and then we had seven weeks off which was massive um because obviously seven week break that's i think that's the biggest mid-season break we've had uh, like ever i think yeah that's almost two months yeah so i took the seven weeks just each week and then make sure i got better each week and then just did a did a whole heap of cycling obviously is really good for your knees yeah and yeah like it almost fixed it fixed me like seven weeks i just hung out with some different people did some different riding did some different did some different training yeah and then turned up to round six and i just felt like a different person so 
it's a it's a whole bunch of things but i guess it's at the same time just making sure that you don't try and rush the process and re-injure yeah. your leg and then that's eventually everything will just slowly get better yeah 100 percent. and then you said training on the like the amount of training you'd off the bike what's a day in the life of a professional motocross athlete look like what's a day in the life for you for me at the moment i get up in the morning supercross is a little better like a little easier but for me at the moment What's like a you routine get up, kind of look for you get up in the morning i've got my um i've got my usual breakfast so it's bloody two pieces of toast rye yeah. toast banana honey peanut butter anyway we do that always got to get coffee start the morning with coffee straight to the track <laughs> um we meet the boys at about nine o'clock we do we do all our motos. Um, and you mean the boys? Who do you meet? Sorry, T, uh, my mechanic, like our team, we kind of all yep. meet at our, at our team Supercross track. So you have a full-time mechanic. Yep, full-time mechanic. Yep. yep. Um, we meet everyone there and we ride for till about, I don't know, 12.30, go home, bit of lunch, and then whether we go to the gym or go for a bit of a recovery cycle. And then after we do that, we might hang out for about an hour and just kind of simmer down from what we've already done through the day. Yep. And then if we're riding the next day, we go back to our Supercross track because obviously with Supercross, we do all hand watering. So yep. we go back to the Supercross track, hand water the whole thing and then... Get a prep for the next day. Get a prep for the next day, whether you got to shovel some whoops or fix some berms or whatever because yep, obviously yep. the tracks deteriorate a little bit. Yep, yep. Um, and then, yeah, if you get all that done in a day, that's a good day. And then obviously dinner and bed start yeah, again. Solid. So. And, and and you said you obviously you got your mechanic that works on the bikes. Does he... Does he take you, like, because obviously you guys have a practice and race bike. Does he take your practice bike home and help you prepare it for the next day so it helps you focus more on the job at hand? Like, how does that work? Well, as I said, with Supercross, it's a little easier. Um, in motocross, we pretty much always take our bikes. So yep. after the day riding, we'll go we'll go back to the workshop, clean up if it needs tires, you know, just get the bike ready for the next day. And then we try and um, get it fit in a bit of training or whatnot before yep. the sun goes down or whatever. But at, at, for Supercross at the moment, um, my mechanic takes my bike, um, he'll wash it. And then if it needs a Supercross, like I said, it's, it's so easy on the bike. Sometimes you don't really need to do much. So you don't even yep. need to change a filter. You just wash it, see if it needs anything, give it a look over and then we're ready for the next day. And then that yeah, obviously yeah. gives me a good chance to go home, cycle, eat, just do everything I need to do, train, yep, yep. And get ready for the next day. So it's definitely definitely good having your full-time mechanic there. Yeah, for sure. that's great. And you're knowing, I mean, Circo Motorsports, you're the, the factory team that sponsors you, Gavin, who's a legend. Um, so that And they're close to you guys. So is that easy to get to and from, knowing that the team is so close to your house? Because they're not far from where you live as well. Yeah, yeah well, like I said... Um, well, our supercross track's only i think it's three k's from our workshop so it's yeah, like that's great it's like just around the corner so if you ever need anything it's it's in the backyard pretty much and um yeah so e even if we need to go to the workshop it, it's half an hour out of our day really you know yeah. maybe an hour tops and we still got time to do everything to we keep, need to do to keep riding and yep yeah cool. and how long are so when's round one so how many rounds as well are there in the supercross this year uh, I, th I think there's six this year five yep. or six um yep. where one, do you travel to one is in Auckland. We got to go overseas once this year. We go to Melbourne, Adelaide. There's one in the Brisbane Entertainment Center. Um, That'll be tight. Yeah, that will be tight. First round too. So all Ooh. the boys will be there. There's only ten or twelve gates, so it's just going to be hectic. That that, yeah, that first round is going to be <laughs> hectic. Um, but yeah, so I think that I think that's the main ones. But that's going to be cool to travel overseas for a race. We never get to do that really yeah, for an Australian series. Have anyway. you done that? Did you get to do that last year? No, I was injured, so I didn't. They we, they did the um, I think it's called the SX Open in Auckland. Yeah, 
Um, they did it last year, and that was sick. By the looks of it, they sold out the whole stadium, yeah, so that was cool. And that's obviously, cool. there's a lot of big names that come over for that race in particular, so that's going to be sick too. Hopefully, I get to go to that. Yeah, cool, cool. What's your uh, what's your goals? We're throwing it out at you. Well, usually when it comes to Supercross time, I'm always just got the mentality of just getting through it, staying safe because yeah. Supercross is obviously super dangerous. But um, this year, I kind of half surprised myself a little bit. I'm riding really good. Like I feel like this is the best I've ridden Supercross ever in my whole life. So. And, and and do you feel like you know with the training you do off the bike that helps a lot as well like with because you, you're super fit in the gym i mean those photos on socials don't lie yeah uh you know and like what kind of training do you off the bike to prepare for that too do you lift a lot more weights preparing for supercross i think um yeah you definitely got to make sure you're strong so i've been like yeah i've been spending some time in the gym just like making sure my strength is up to par but also like to, from motocross to supercross your base fitness is so different like so yep. a lot of cycling for me as well just keeping your heart rate at a certain heart rate for a certain amount of time yeah helps a lot too um but yeah i think just the main thing for me this year was being able to start supercross 100 percent healthy yeah yeah that way i'm not you know i'm not worried about any little injuries it was coming straight off motocross going straight into supercross and just being like like i was fine you know what i mean i was 100 yeah, yeah. healthy i was i was fit um, so I wasn't, you know, having to, I guess, build up to anything because I was already ready to go. Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, my expectations are still to get through the year, rest of the year healthy, but I definitely yeah. think my results will be quite good, I hope. Uh, I mean, I'm, I obviously have expectations, but obviously at the same time, we're going to stay safe. Yeah, yep. high goals, but yep. yeah, that's that's great. That's great. And, um, I mean, social media, which is, you know, the whole influencer marketing thing, social media is a big part to play. You know, how much does, I mean, in motocross, social media play with gaining sponsors and, you know, with your brand? Because it's changed so much in the years since, you know, with factory teams, I've noticed. I mean, I haven't really been in the sport as much as I have over the last few years. But does social media play a big part for, you know, for teams and sponsors and things like that within motocross now? You know, you've got a, you've got a big following for, you know, you're up to, I think, 35,000 on Instagram. And yep. that's, you know, that's a large following. Yep in uh in motocross what does that have to play with sponsors these days and your obligations through social media to help promote those brands and really grow and you know and what you do and love yeah well i'm pretty sure like every team in australia they do every team in australia has a social media platform that everyone can go and find and click on and all that sort of stuff so they use we all use and teams especially use their writers and um to help market their team um through social media because as you know as everyone knows not many people pick up a magazine anymore yeah so yeah. The, the 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 first thing they do is they jump on instagram or facebook or anything and um you know like if, if our riders are tagging our team circo yamaha or whatever and our following goes oh look you know the boys are at the track they tag circo yamaha you click on circo yamaha and then yeah you're straight onto their it's you know they're in their page so it's like you don't have to go through and read with magazine it's like everyone's on their phone every single day yeah, yeah so social media is just like the biggest it's like ridiculous like it's um yeah, yeah. the possible not the possibilities but there's just so much you can do through social media and promote through social media and that's why i think the teams love it because if you're promoting their team for free on social media because social media is for free like it's yeah it's a free platform yeah you can it's do, like yeah. it's ridiculous so it's good i think social media and social media is good for us too because people who 
say I'm from Queensland, people who are from Melbourne or even overseas, you know, don't see me every day. They can still see what I'm doing every day because I'm, I'm obviously also very active on social media as well. So. Yeah, which I think plays a huge important part to being an athlete or an ambassador. Social media is everything now to help, you know, and it's not, it's, you know, you're promoting the brands that you've been able to do what you love and they're helping you get out to do what you love to do every day, which is ride motocross professionally. <laughs> so to be able to use a platform that is free to help promote it. I mean, the algorithm's always changing, so you've mm. got to think of new ways to to help get yourself out there. But yeah, it's it's interesting from different sports how they, you know, they use social media to help promote their brands. Yeah, and not only that, like we, everyone knows, well, most people know, my following would know me as Nathan Crawford, the motocross rider, but um, at the same time, they can see what you do personally, like away from the track. Yeah, can, we don't just ride. Yeah, motocross. well, I don't race motocross, you know, like motocross is a big part of my life, but it'll only last a quarter of my life do you know what i mean yeah yeah so like you guys or everyone who follows me gets to see what i do after that and you know while i'm not racing or riding during the week like everyone can see what i'm doing just as a normal human being too yeah. so and what and what else cool. do you do what's your goals outside of motocross what uh, oh, well what at busy? the moment oh my goals outside of motocross um that's a tough one because i still got so much motocross to go like yeah. I still see motocross as being just massive. Started, yeah, right? like I'm 22, so I got so much more. Um, do you do any? I mean, you go. cycle a lot. Do yeah, I do, do a lot of cycling and stuff like that. Time? I haven't, I haven't done any of that sort of stuff now. Nah, but I, other things that I do enjoy doing is like I, I, I love to stay fit. So like I love yeah. going to the gym, even if you know, even if I wasn't an athlete. Where do you train? Fit stop Victoria Point. Yeah, so dope. if I wasn't an athlete, I'd still be there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just a. Getting it's just it. something that I love to do and like cycling as well. Even if I didn't race, I still think I'd just go out on the social cycle with the boys. Like it's yeah, just, yeah. it's fun. So, um, I definitely think after motocross, I'll still be quite active, um, with my fitness and stuff like that. But also after, like after my racing's done, I'd still like to be involved in the sport somehow. Yeah. Whether it be helping, helping other people, you know, guiding other people, giving other people tips or whatever, stuff like that. So obviously motocross is my heart's in it so um after i'm done with it i yeah. i'll still like to contribute somehow, yeah that's awesome so, that's yeah. awesome and uh i mean it's it depends how much you want to talk about it but i mean you get to ride professionally um i mean what kind of money is involved these days from a professional athlete or the opportunities i mean uh you know when we're talking to founders and get to talk to different people on the show like is what kind of money is you know available for a professional athlete to make if they can, you know, if they're winning everything and doing really well, even to America, what's the money like, you know, to, to be able to make for a professional athlete in motocross? It's not, is. it's not too bad. Like, obviously, I'd say in here in Australia, it's tough. Well, in, in every, like I've heard in every country, whether it's Europe or America or Australia, there's obviously key teams that offer you good money. And then, <clears throat> sorry, after that, it's, it, it's a little tough like after that you really have to love it to just do it for not much sort of thing do you yeah. know what i mean not much and not, reward and not that you get into it for for the yeah, money yeah i mean it's, for sure uh, i you know i've loved dirt bikes my whole life as a kid growing up and mm. did it because of the money but it's when you get to do something you love and full time it's interesting to know what kind of you know what the opportunities are so you can do what you love and yeah well you know, if, you, your if like you said if you're doing it for a job and it's not just a hobby then yeah there's there's key there's a few there's a small circle of like you know area of place you could be in to make decent money i'd say obviously you go overseas you're going to make more money but yeah. just here in australia like it, it's not too bad like if your results are up there you're on a good team you ride for a good brand 
um, and your results are up there, like you can still do quite good. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're not going to be, you're not going to be living off the balls of your feet. Like, you'll be doing yeah. okay. But, but like, it's the. I wouldn't say that there's no. I wouldn't say the roof's a little lower here in Australia, but it's just population too. In Australia. Yeah, have, sky's know. the limit when you go overseas. Like, yeah. I, like you hear of so many different people and just just little things. Like you hear of so many people different. Uh, so many different people making big money off their championships and like i've got friends over in america now <clears throat> i got a friend jacob hayes and he lives there and races there like full time yeah and like he tells me all these funny stories about like you know people making money and you know just yeah obviously i won't go into it too far but just yeah, good yeah. money like making real good money like better than anything you'll find here in australia but yeah but that's obviously just like obviously as everybody knows the sport's massive in america the sport's massive in europe the sport is decent here like it's quite good here but yeah it's just um and is that a goal for you to get to america like is that, is de- that- like i definitely want to um branch out i want to go abroad australia yeah. so like that'd cool. be my goals i'm definitely looking into that for sure yeah cool but um yeah i mean it's just it's tough like coming from australia to try and reach out to another <clears throat> country um to try and get a ride and you know and like you don't want to just go over there just for anyone yeah like obviously you've seen a lot of people go from australia to race in europe or race in america and if they go for the wrong team then it's just a waste of a year sort of thing so yeah yeah like um there's so many different variables getting over there (laughs) yeah for sure work involved to get over there to race i mean being a part of it for so many years you know you watch you know there's it's 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 a it takes a long time it's a grind you know people don't realize the work you got to put in and uh so yeah I, I totally get what you're saying it's 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 not like you can go over there and and if you want to do the best you can do you want to try and find the right people to work with you know have the right you know potentially even mentors over there to help you get to that next stage because as you said it's all about being the right people yeah. you know you spend six seven weeks with the right people training riding and then you come back stronger than ever for the next round for the last part of the series i think that's a big part too is being around mm. the right people as well yeah well yeah yeah you can't go off try and you can if you want like you can try go off on your own like go to a different country on your own but there's so much involved like over obviously over the last two years is where or i've looked i've looked overseas more than just the last two years but i've really been looking the last two years and just like and i'm not even haven't even got anything yet though but even just what's involved at the moment and like the last couple of years that i've been trying it's crazy and i haven't even got anything do you know what i mean like yeah like and you got to start taking into a taking into consideration like your visas and where you're going to live and who you're going to be with like yeah. you got to know all these different you got to know so many people yeah. so that you're not just going over there and you're like okay i'm here now how am i going to train how am i going to ride where am i going to live yeah. who am i going to train with like what gym am i going to go to do you know what i mean yeah, how much yeah. that gym's going to cost like it's just ridiculous how much you have to take into consideration so that you're not just going over there and just wasting your time pretty yeah. much yeah yeah 100 percent, 100 percent and uh what are you doing i mean because you guys get a big off season right like what do you do in the off season when uh i think it well the off season i don't know how many weeks it is but what do you do in the off season uh, off season's usually it comes along at about october end of october november december obviously that's the period we get so obviously you got um christmas and all that stuff in there and um usually it's just hanging out with your mates or maybe even a bit of traveling like un dirt bike related sort of thing just like social traveling and yep. um yeah just hanging out with your mates just because obviously during race season we're so strict on what we eat 
yep. what we you know like how much we train like sometimes we like usually i'll take a little bit of time away from the gym um um yeah just hang out with friends like just just all sorts of different stuff that you just can't really do while you're racing yeah. simply because it takes up all your time so. yeah yeah you're 100 committed yeah for sure it's almost like you see where you know i suppose whether it's afl or rugby league like when they're on they're on that mm. you know everything is a strict regime yeah same with motocross people probably just don't get to see that side of it too much <clears throat> yeah well then and then after we do all that come january time you've got a whether you've signed with a new team or you've renewed your contract with your current team you pretty much start kicking things off january one that's when pre-season starts so yeah, off-season doesn't last long, so when you got it, you just have a bit of fun, just make make it worthwhile. Yeah, cool. And I mean, uh, from a social media perspective, are you, do you, you know, are you super approachable on there through DM, chatting to like the next generation of kids coming through? Do you do much coaching like to help with the next generation? For I do. I'm just super approachable on social media. Anyone can message me at any time and I'm not going to be... Yeah, dope. Um, what's the word? A prick about it you know i'm gonna i'm gonna message you <laughs> which like, is important you obviously yeah obviously sometimes i won't always get back to you straight away but i'll eventually get back to you and if i don't swing me another message because it's not like i didn't for, i just might have forgot or i'm so busy caught up in what i'm doing that um yeah just it just sometimes just goes straight over my head but um yeah super approachable on social media and yeah i do love coaching i i do and i do a bit of it like i've had a few people hit me up recently and i would love to go like i've had someone messaging me about it like the last two weeks and i'd love to go at the moment just supercross with pre-season supercross it's just everything's so hectic at the moment but i will do a fair bit of coaching once um supercross is over yeah in our off season as well because obviously we got like monday to friday we we pretty much we don't i don't i can't really do much like it um all my mates are working and stuff like that so yeah yeah i'm just hanging out so that's when i'll do some coaching and um and things like that but um and do you have i mean like you said all your friends are working so you're really in the circle like you're the only one that's a professional athlete around that and a lot of your (laughs) other friends have day jobs as well yeah yeah well i'm I'm friends with like like a few of the boys in the sport of us in our yeah in our sport and in our class and whatnot but a lot of when i grew up yeah when i grew up like as i was growing up through you know my whole career of racing i was never really friends with I was friends with people who were involved in dirt bikes, but were, were kind of just like the weekend warriors, like loved the weekend racing, yeah. but didn't do it professionally because then it just becomes a contest all the time sort of thing. So like all my friends And it's were tough just, to do it professionally. Yeah. And it's, all my friends were just like, they were involved in the sport or loved riding or did it as a hobby, but it was just always yeah. like, and now, and obviously now that we've grown up, you know, they're all, they work Monday, Friday and i'm training monday friday riding monday friday and once all that stops they're still at work and i'm yeah, just yeah. probably playing playstation or something you know what i mean <laughs> like it gets a bit boring Fortnite, so, right yeah the Fortnite <laughs> grind so um and what what um what uh i probably didn't get to ask this what, i mean anyone that's into to motocross listening to this what, what's your favorite track in australia what's your best <clears throat> track whether it's motocross or well, supercross changes a lot but motocross yeah. track. i'd probably say uh the one in western australia wanneroo oh yeah just simply because i love the sand yeah and it's just super gnarly like (laughs) down and in and out of quarries like it's just it's sick like it's pretty gnarly if anyone anyone hasn't seen any videos of it it's definitely look it up it's mad um i've only ever ridden there once in my whole life oh sorry twice i've ridden there twice Mm -hmm. in my whole life and then the second time i won my 
Pretty sure I won my first ever MX2 round overall. It was sick. I just I oh, love the joint. I love the I'm, sand. I think I might have even been there. Yeah. Love the sand. Um, yeah, Wanderer. It's a sick track for sure. Yeah, it's a good track. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a scary looking track. It's fast. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's like the um, it's the Australian Lommel, if you want to call it, of Europe. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's yeah. just super rough, rougher than anything you'll see. Um, and just yeah, gnarly, big bumps. Like it's just mad. Yeah, that's cool. And I suppose. Something, I mean, what a question to kind of give back to like your community is what kind of advice, you know, could you give to the next generation coming through? I think it's probably underestimated the fact of how hard you need to work to become a professional athlete. It takes a long time. It's a lot of struggles. There's a lot you go through. I mean, you're probably under talking yourself a little bit because <laughs> you've, you know, to get to that level is tough. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've gone through it. I know how hard it is. I wish yeah. I could have made it, but it wasn't for me. What kind of advice could you give to the next generation of kids coming through or trying to make it as a professional, whether it's motocross or athlete? Like what advice could you give to them? I'd just say with whatever you're doing, I'd say have fun with it for a certain amount of time because I've I've known a lot of younger kids in my time. Like I said, like I don't just have my, my friend groups, not just my age. Like I'm still friends with a lot of people that are a lot younger than me. And I've had, I've seen so many people like they they're only still like 15 and 16 and yeah, you got to start taking it serious by then, but don't, don't like, you're still, you're still a kid then you still have to have fun because I've seen too many kids burn out and then they just, by the time they get 17 and 18, where that's where you really go for it. Yeah. They're burnt out and they hate the sport sort of thing. Yeah. So definitely have fun with it until you're about 17 or 18. Like obviously take it serious, but keep it fun ride with your mates or whatever it is whether you want to be a professional skater like just skate with your mates do everything but have fun and 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 try not to lose the fun like even now i'm 22 and i train my ass off and i ride all the time but i'll still go off and do things that are just like fun like i remember before before coolum the last round of the motocross everyone's out motoing and me and one of my mates just went for a trail ride like it's just you got to somewhere keep the fun in it yeah yeah. and i definitely think if you do that and you don't try and you know obviously you got to know how much and you got to listen to your body too if you're starting to feel you know run down or whatever don't don't think that just because your mates or whatever are out there busting out motos that you have to be out there like if you know you got to listen to your body have fun keep keep the fun in it and yeah you'll you'll definitely go a long way and obviously you know you need to have a network of people around you that are positive for what you know the vision where or the goals you're trying to get to yeah and i definitely think yeah you'll make it for sure yeah cool hey well it's uh man it's been dope watching your journey it's crazy knowing you from uh a grommy to where you're at now and how much you've succeeded it's uh it's yeah it's rad man congrats it's, yeah, i'm excited you to see you go on the supercross too this year yeah i'm looking so forward to for that good luck, one brother thank you very thanks, much man thank you good times thanks for having me on the show it's all right brother thank you